Vera Payne. Democratic Senator of Oregon Ron Wyden recently sent President Biden a letter proposing repeated direct stimulus payments and automatic unemployment insurance extension in the next spending bill. This letter was also signed by Virginia's Bernie Sanders and Ohio's Sherrod Brown. Humanity Forward's chief spokesperson, Greg Nassif, breaks down Senator Wyden's letter. Thanks for joining me, Greg. Thank you for having me on the show. So tell me about Humanity Forward Foundation. Humanity Forward is a nonprofit advocacy organization. We fight for the needs of the American people, specifically the economic needs from the bottom up. Humanity Forward Foundation is our sister organization, more of a charity organization that focuses on UBI pilots and such. So are you guys doing anything currently to help citizens out? Yes. So our organization turns a year old Thursday, March 4th, which I think is today when this broadcast. And uh, we started off focusing mostly on the charity side of things. But as you can uh, imagine, the world changed pretty quickly after this organization began. And we saw immediately from the charity side the benefits that providing folks with emergency cash relief could provide, not only because of the pandemic, but because of the massive economic fallout. And and we thought, well, this is an amazing way to help, you know, what, a few thousand people. What if this was something that was happening on a grander scale? What if our country was providing this kind of relief to its people? And we saw this as an opportunity to make the case about what direct cash relief can do for people. So we began advocacy in uh, toward the end of 2020, we began to ramp up our outreach to members of Congress on behalf of the American people and their economic needs. And in December, we worked with a bipartisan coalition of lawmakers to introduce the Coronavirus Assistance for American Families Act. That was a bill that would have provided $1,000 of direct cash relief to nearly every American, uh, another $1,000 for their dependents. And it was a standalone bipartisan cash relief bill, the first ever. And while that bill didn't itself pass, it provided the it provided congressional leadership with clear and direct evidence that this was a bipartisan issue, not only among the people, and, and you can check the recent polling, it's, it's more than two-thirds support in both parties, uh, direct cash relief. But now we had clear, direct evidence that direct cash relief had bipartisan support in Congress. And that was how we were able to secure direct cash relief as part of the second COVID relief bill at the end of the year. Now, $600 was not enough, especially after nine months without any support for, for far too many families. So we've kept up our advocacy work. We're happy to see uh, that $1,400 checks are nearing the finish line here. Still too long without support, but it's better than nothing. And we're also advocating on behalf of expanding the child tax credit, making it fully refundable and distributing it monthly or periodically so that folks from up and down the economic ladder are receiving support and that we're investing in America's future. The research is endless on this. When children have monthly support, or when, when parents have monthly support for raising their children, the outcomes in education, in crime reduction, in nutrition, and health are always so much better on the long term. The investments always pay for itself. People budget monthly, they should receive support monthly. That's why we're advocating for uh, monthly payments of the child tax credit and paying it to all parents because raising children is work and it is the most important work that most people do. And we think it's about time we start rewarding it. So that is something we're laser focused on right now. Uh, we are looking forward to uh, continuing to advocate for direct cash relief on behalf of the American people uh, in forthcoming economic packages as well.
Now, Senator Ron Wyden had uh, sent a letter to President Biden about the recurring direct payments. Could you tell me more about that? So this is a very exciting development. Uh, Senator Wyden, Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon, penned a letter to President Biden yesterday advocating for including direct payments and unemployment insurance extensions uh, attached to automatic stabilizers in the forthcoming Build Back Better infrastructure bill that is expected later in the year. And this is so important because I think a good way to talk about it is when there's a fire at the schoolhouse, the town council doesn't convene and then talk about the fire and talk about what are the best solutions and then go on recess and then convene a week later and then call and then pass a resolution calling on the tax collector to distribute money to to the fire department to consider the best way to get water to the fire. We don't go through that. We call the fire department when there's a fire. And this is the same thing we should be doing when there's an economic disaster. I think we've seen that Congress is, it's a deliberative body. It's meant to take its time so that people have a chance to look at legislation and, and weigh in on it. But when we have an economic catastrophe that is rolling across the 21st century economy, when we have a pandemic sweeping the country, we need action quickly. Automatic stabilizers provide that immediate assistance. They, they can be set to economic conditions, such as the unemployment rate, a change in the unemployment rate, the employment to population ratio, the median wage, the quarterly growth rate, monthly growth rate in the economy. It can be set to any of these conditions. And when it these conditions are triggered, that would automatically distribute direct cash relief payments, recovery checks to a targeted group of Americans to make sure that the economic pain is mitigated, that the economic recession is prevented. And this is a really important part of when we say build back better. If I think that a better society would be protected against economic disasters like this, and I think an economy is only as strong as it is protected from this. So if we're going to build back better, we're going to need the financial infrastructure in place that's going to respond to disasters immediately by providing people the relief they need to get through it. And that's exactly what this letter is calling for. We're happy to see the 13 senators and, and now both of Illinois senators, Senator Tammy Duckworth and Senator Dick Durbin, the majority whip, have both signed on to this and we're, uh, we're excited to see where it goes from here. I'm sorry, uh, onto this letter. I didn't read it fully and I'm hoping that you mm -hmm. can tell me, did Senator Wyden say how long the direct payments would last for? So in the letter, I don't actually think it specifies uh, precisely how long it has to be, but the point is that the automatic stabilizers respond to the scale and scope of the economic crisis itself, so that if the if the crisis is deep, if it's long, the, pay, the automatic stabilizer can keep that support there for folks. Ideally, if that if that recession or if that assistance mitigates any recession or dip in the economy, then those payments can stop and that they're not overdoing it. So I think duration is maybe the wrong way to look at it. It's more about responding to the need. And of course, getting the help to folks when they need it is the most important thing. We can always come back to, you know, how long should we continue this assistance afterwards? That's something that it's okay for Congress to take time deliberating. You know, is it okay to continue this assistance? But uh, when we're taking time to deliberate the help that people need while they're suffering, that's where I think uh, we get this inefficiency of government really hurting people. And that's what I think needs to be changed. And I understand that this is just a letter. It's just that this letter is a prelude to what we can expect. And with that being said, do you think this proposal would cover undocumented immigrants? What we're what we're hoping for in any in any Build Back Better plan is that folks 
who are who are contributing to this country, who are working hard, that they're going to be uh, that their needs are going to be addressed in an inclusive way, and that it's especially important in a crisis that we're not wasting time and resources trying to figure out who is worthy of assistance and who's not. It's so much more important to focus on getting support out the door and then to focus afterwards on how to prevent these disasters in the first place, rather than the other way around, where when the disaster strikes, we spend months. It's now been three months since the last relief went out and nine months before that, because we're so focused on means testing, on who's worthy of help and who isn't. I don't think those are the the values that this country represents. I, I think this country is about the common good, the common welfare, the common the common worker, making sure that all of us are taken care of in, in a crisis. Once the disaster is mitigated, then we can take time to prevent the disasters from happening again in the future. Now, I know this is for individuals, but do you think that it could encompass small businesses at all? Well, I think the most important thing for small businesses is uh, having customers and customers who have cash in their pocket. You know, I was talking recently with a member, uh, with a representative uh, from the restaurant industry, and a big problem for them is that a lot of business for restaurants has switched to takeout, and that can disproportionately benefit larger businesses, larger restaurants, and takeout is more expensive, especially delivery. But when you put cash in people's pockets, it helps them meet that larger expense a little bit of takeout, of delivery, and it also reaches everybody everywhere. And this is what's critically important. Anytime you have a generic program from the federal government, you know whether it's economic stimulus or benefits relief, you know it tends to be targeted toward folks who have government literacy. It tends, you know, large projects tend to, you know, they're obviously going to be regionally specific. But when you give checks to people, uh, to a broad swath of people, that money is going everywhere. That's going to help our rural areas that have been left behind by the 21st century economy by putting money in the pockets of the people who live in these communities. They're going to spend that in the small businesses in their community. That's going to rebuild our economy from the ground up, which I think is the way we want to see the economy recover. So other countries have had recurring payments and in the beginning. For example, Canada, I think they gave, what is it, 1400 for four months to those who lost income. And in Costa Rica, they gave out $220 for those who lost their jobs. But those mm-hmm. countries are kind of small compared to ours. How mm-hmm. do you think we can do the recurring payments on a national level without in- causing inflation? I'm glad you asked that question, because if you talk to most economists, a lot more of them have been worried about deflation in the past the past 10 to 12 years. Inflation in the United States has never reached that 2% target that people think is, or that economists tend to think is healthiest. There are simple ways to remove, if you want to speak more philosophically or conceptually about a consistent recurring payments program. There are ways to remove capital from the system that, that, could, that would easily ward off inflation. And any way you do it, the bottom percentage of earners of the economic ladder are going to disproportionately benefit. Even if you had inflation, that, that would hurt folks at the top more than it would hurt anyone on the lower income ladder. And if you, in any way you remove excess capital from the economy with a recurring cash payments program that, that uh, reaches everybody, it's still going to disproportionately benefit the bottom of the economic ladder, um, no matter where you, whether you tighten rates or you know, increase taxes here or there. But an automatic stabilizer-based economic payment, this is the key issue, it would only be triggered in a situation in which the economy is faltering in some way or another, so especially in that circumstance. 
injecting capital into the economy is highly unlikely to cause uh, any inflationary spike. And more likely in that situation, you'd be worried about deflation. And this is the most efficient form of economic stimulus because it's putting money in the hands of people. who. Many people are concerned about the government's overspending because, you know, the last stimulus, it, you know, going on Facebook and Twitter, it turns out that people weren't spending it on rent, mortgage, bills or credit cards, but instead going on holiday trips, going on, you know, globe trotting. They were buying new Gucci purses and they were buying all kinds of crazy stuff with this money. Do you think Mm -hmm. that there could be other solutions outside of spending, like, uh, you know, states not raising their property taxes or proposals for leniencies towards your creditors? From what I've seen, consumer spending has spiked after the checks have gone out, but in a way that, you know, most folks are spending it on groceries and such, things that they need. It is true that, uh, of course, some folks who won't need the checks will get it. That happens anytime you have any benefits program. But, uh, you know, if, if folks are spending the money, at least that's going to benefit the economy. I wouldn't want to comment on, on you know, other uh, other ways that uh, governments are planning to, to rein in their, uh, their, their budgets. But I think the important thing to keep in mind is that anytime we're fixating on cutting out people who don't need help, we're always going to be cutting out people who do need the help as well. And, and and I don't think anyone believes that no one needs help out there. There's a lot of people who do need help. I think we need to focus on getting help to folks who need it. And we want to talk about budgetary responsibility. Getting out the assistance now, while the economy is still delicate, is going to be a lot cheaper than waiting for an economic crisis to worsen. And that's what's so important about automatic stabilizers. It nips economic uh, recessions in the bud. It stops them before they happen. Economic recessions are always the biggest budget busters. If you can get that assistance out there quickly, keep the economy on its feet, that's going to save government a lot of money in the long run. Okay, so I know the last check we got with the $600. If people in California were upset because really you can't even pay your rent with $600. But people mm. in Kansas, they were able to do a lot of stuff. Or people in southern Texas, you know, $600 goes a long way. Now with this proposal, would it scale by cost of living in your specified state? I haven't seen any measures to scale by cost of living. And Humanity Forward is generally supportive of of keeping those flat. A flat distribution is going to be fairest. And and if you're, and the beauty of direct cash relief is that it's disproportional to the cost of living. It, it does provide folks some flexibility so that they can, if they need to, they can perhaps relocate to a place where, where uh, the cost of living is more affordable. And I know that's not an option for everybody. But again, if, if we're getting into a situation where the relief is disproportional based on cost of living, it's going to deeply complicate the legislation in a way that inevitably is going to harm a lot of folks who need the help and help a lot of folks who don't need it. We think it's best, it's most efficient when the, the payments are flat, when they're, they're boosting folks uh, equally across the country. That's going to rebuild the areas that need it most. That's going to benefit, obviously, folks in rural communities, but it's also, I think, mostly going to benefit areas of our country and, and sectors of our economy that have been left behind by advances in technology and by changes in the economic landscape in the 21st century. So do we have enough money to give out recurring payments to people? Well, the simple answer is yes. 
But I know there's some concerns that, you know, perhaps there's a shift in the economic landscape where perhaps because of automatic stabilizers, you have the situation where the payments go out in, in perpetuity and then uh, you end up sending out trillions of dollars. And the, it, the easy solution to that is for the automatic stabilizers to simply have a, a four-month sunset or something to that effect that would, that would shut them off. And at the very least, four months would buy Congress enough time to to actually act in a way that correctly responds to the economic crisis that we're facing. But it's so much better to do something like that than to have what we have now, which is four months of no help and nothing while Congress is debating how to deal with a fire that's already burning. So that's that's one way to, to rein in the automatic stabilizers while still having the benefit of an immediate response to an economic crisis. Well, Greg, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you here. But for those listening, where can they find more information about you and Humanity Forward Foundation? Well, folks can go to advocacy page, which is movehumanityforward.com for the foundation, the, the C3. I don't speak for them, but they're at uh, humanityforwardfoundation.org. You can follow me on social media, Greg Nusty. You can also follow Humanity Forward on social media, just uh, Humanity Forward on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And maybe TikTok. I should I'd figure out if we're on there, but we're all over the place. So definitely follow along, keep up with our advocacy. And Mason, thank you so much for having me on the show. I do appreciate it. This has been the Mason Vera Payne Show. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to hear more? Head to WGNRadio.com for exclusive content by Mason. Also, follow Mason on Facebook and Twitter at Mason Vera Payne. That's all one word. And don't forget to share the show with your friends.